we find that Yaakov marries Leah and then Rachel because of the ploy of of, um, of Lavan and the Pasuk says that Rachel was an Akara and Leah begins having many children together with Yaakov it says that she has Reuven and then Shimon and Levi and Yehuda and Rachel was not having any children the Pasuk says in Parak Lamed Pasuk Aleph Rachel sees she notices obviously that she's not giving birth to Yaakov and Rachel becomes very envious of her sister and she says to Yaakov give me children if you don't allow me to conceive then I am considered like dead And here's the response of Yaakov to that demand, that statement. Yaakov becomes very angry with Rachel. And he says, Am I instead of God? Am I God that I am the one that's taking away that's not allowing you to have children why are you going to me what do I have to do with this what are you complaining to me for and he was angry he was incensed with the question with this with the, this thing that Rachel seems to be demanding of him provide me children he says am I in place of God what am I supposed to do I'm not the one that's holding you back from having children. It's the Rabbi Shalom. The Medrash says on this statement of Yaakov Avinu in his anger, Hakadosh listens to this response of Yaakov, and he says, "Is this the proper way?" to respond to somebody who is in such dire straits somebody who is so depressed somebody who is so distressed and envious and worried and full of full of insecurity her sister is having one child after another and she is an akara and you don't have sweetness you don't have sensitivity is this the way you respond to somebody who is in such a matzav? By your life, says the Rabbi Nishan, your, her son, will someday be over your sons. Meaning the sons that you have until now. All of those sons that you're so proud of from Leah, you should know that those sons are someday going to be beholden to her son, Yosef. That's, of course, going to happen later in history by Mitzrayim when Yosef becomes the, the viceroy of Mitzrayim and all the brothers are beholden to him uh, as we all know that story. The question that we can ask on the Medrash is what exactly did Yaakov say that was so wrong? We weren't there, we don't know the tone of his voice, but we're talking about the Aves HaKadoshim, and it's very hard to say that he said it in, in a way that was, that was uh, completely insensitive and full of wrath. What exactly, let's dissect what Yaakov Avinu said to her, and let's see if there's something actually wrong with it. If somebody would come over to me and say, um, Rabbi Bamberger, tomorrow... Give me rain. I really need it to rain. My, my, my grass is really dry. It's yellow. I need it to rain. What would I answer him? What would I say? Wouldn't I say to him, I'm not God. 
I'm not, that's not my, you know, if you ask me to give you a shmuz, to give you a vad, to write you a, a great safer, that I could do. But like, I'm not, you know, what, what do I have not the ability to cause it to rain. I mean, people might think I do, but I don't. And so, isn't that a correct response? Am I in place? You're asking me something that I am not able to do. Rachel is saying, get hovely bonim, as if he is, you know, somebody who is magically able to just presto, be able to have children at will. That's not the way it works. The Rabbi Shalom is ultimately the one that decides. And if she's an akaro, it's not shayach. If it's not shayach, so what are you going to Yaakov? Go daven if you want, but don't, don't go to Yaakov and demand that give me children. So what exactly was wrong? Hasachas is a very logical response. And if maybe you want to say that it's really the safe of the Pasuk that says, Asher mana mimech pribotin, that am I God that I was the one that tried to, uh, that, that's holding you back from having children, and you see what Rashi there says, Ata mart what is she tining, says Rashi. She's tining, Rachel is asking Yaakov, she says, look at your father. Your father also is an Akara, your mother was an Akara, and he was able to daven and produce children. So I want you also to do the same. And she, so Yaakov, you know, according to Rashi and Chazal, he responds like this, I am not my father. Why? My father at that point had no children. Last week's parsha told us was not there was, uh, there, there, they didn't have children yet. They were completely, both of them were Akara. They didn't have children. He was an Akara, she was an Akara. They didn't have children. So there, he was desperate, and he had to daven because he needed children. But me, and the Yeshlevan, I mean, I have children. I have sons already from Leah. Mimcha, mimechman, avalamimani. So the problem lies with you. HaKadosh Baruch was Meineya from you pre-Bathen and not from me. And that seems to be something that, again, when we're speaking about the others, we have to be very careful. We're not talking about ourselves. We're not talking about when we are mean and insensitive to other people. Yaakov Avinu was the, Yaakov Avinu was the Bechir Shebaavis. Yaakov Avinu, his worst infraction in life should be our biggest mitzvah. So, we have to know who we're talking about, but Afal Pikein Chazal tells us in a, in a way that we can learn from. And Yaakov Avinu seems to be saying here something which is not exactly too sensitive, that your father, my father rather, didn't have any children when he davened, and that's why he was able to have, I have children, the problem lies with you, not with me. That seems to be something that could be a little bit hurtful, but that is not what the time of the Rebbein Shalom was against him. Because if you see, there's another medrash in Agadah's Bereshis. It's brought here in the Marizu. If you look in the Bereshis Rabbah, it's brought that the Taina was from the beginning of the Pasuk of Asacha Salekim Anoichi. And there the Nusach is a little different. You're saying these words to her that am I in place of God? Yosef will someday say at that end, at the climax, or right after the climax of the story, when he finally reveals himself to the brothers as being Yosef, after all that they put him through, and then they got worried that oh, he's going he's gonna to get revenge against us now, he says, no, I'm not in place of God that I can't do anything wrong to you that Hashem doesn't want done to you himself. And so, in lieu of the fact that Yaakov says such a lashon of Asachas Lukim I'm going to give her a son who is going to one day say to your sons, Hasachas Lukim So you see that it seems to be it's the, 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 the taina against Yaakov Avinu is not in the safe of that pasuk, it was in the ratio of that pasuk. The first part of that pasuk, is what the taina, the insensitivity was. And because of that, she was going to one day be ha- able to have a son who says to them, Asachas Ani, 
And we have to understand why is this insensitive, Ruchayr, this is a logical statement. When he, she says to him, Havali Banim, the natural response of a person is, I can't. I am not the Rabbi Nishayim. I don't have that. I wish I would be able to. I wish I'd have a magic wand, but I don't. I have no ability to do what the Rabbi Nishayim does not want done. So why is that insensitive? Why does HaKadosh Baruch Hu say, Kach ata ma'ana es ha-metzik es ha-me'ikais? Is this the way that you answer somebody who is in distress? Uh, yeah. That, I mean, I don't want to cause her more distress, perhaps, but I don't want to necessarily, I don't like being blamed for something that's not my fault. You're telling me that you're addressing your problems towards me as if I'm the culprit here. It's not my problem, it's not my fault. Go address it to the right person, or to the right party. So I'd like to suggest a possible shot. And what exactly was the taina in this Lashon of Asachas and Kimani? As a little background, in the evolution of the whole story with Rachel and Leah and Yaakov Avinu, as we all know, as every Yeshiva Katana boy knows, there is a Tremendous sitkos of Rachel Imenu found in this parasha. Now it's not really brought down at all in the Psukim, but in the Chazalim, there's a Gemara and Baba Basar that speaks about, and there are many, many Medrashim and Chazalim that speak about the godless of Rachel Imenu. And we have to think about this a little bit when we understand how great our Imais were, and how amazing their character was, and their nature was, and they, and their sitkos. Rachel Imenu has is kind of shame bifna We know Rachel Imenu every year has a special, every year that has a neshama, that has a heart, has a special relationship with Rachel Imenu. People go, many more people I think go to Davin by Kevar Rachel than they do by Maris Machpelor. Because everybody has a love with Rachel Imenu. Rachel is Mama Rachel. She is, she is the mother of Kla Yisrael. She is the Akaras Habayis. Because she did something that was simply amazing. Rachel Imeno was destined to marry Yaakov. Leah, everybody knew, was destined to marry Esav. But the Amy Leah Rakas, her eyes were always crying because everybody was saying about her that the older daughter of Lavan is going to marry the older son of Rivka. And the younger daughter of Lavan is going to marry the younger son of Rivka. And so Leah was destined to marry none other than Esav, Harasha, and the younger son, Yaakov, was supposed to marry Rachel. And that was how everybody understood it to happen. And Rachel was distraught. Rachel wanted to be married, Leah rather, wanted to be married to Yaakov Avinu, of course. And Yaakov wanted Rachel. So the chasna was set, and everything was perfect, and Rachel was supposed to go under the chuppah, and we all know the story that Lavan planned a switch. He was going to make it that instead of Rachel going under the chuppah, he was going to give Leah, because he didn't want Yaakov to have Rachel for a number of reasons. He wanted her to have, he wanted him to have Leah. And so, he basically, the Medrash says amazing things that by the chasna, they dimmed the lights because they didn't want to make sure, they wanted to make sure the plan was going to go just so and that everybody would think that it was really Rachel, but it was Leah. And Yaakov, in fact, asked, why is it so dark in this room? Isn't, aren't chasnas supposed to be like, you know, bright affairs? And they said, no, 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 we're very tzniyistic. Over here where we live, we're very tzniyistic. We don't want any, any tarubas going on. We don't want the men looking on the women's side of the mechitza and the men looking on the women's side and the, and, and by the chuppah. Everything has to be very, very dark and very tzniyistic. He says, alright, fine. But Yaakov knew that Lavan was a Raman. And so what he did was, thinking that maybe there was going to be some shtick, he gave Rachel Simonim. He gave Rachel some sort of password, some sort of sign that they would be able to whisper to one another by the chuppah. 
and be able to know for sure that it was in fact Rachel that he was marrying. And Rachel knew the sign, Rachel knew the password. And she was happy. She thought that this was going to ensure the fact that she would end up marrying marrying Yaakov. But then she saw that her sister was about to go under the chuppah and she said, wait a minute. What's going to happen with my sister? Imagine there's a chasna, 500 people, 1,000 people are in this room and they're all going to be waiting to, for the glass to break and there's going to be a big mazel tov. But then, right before they give the, the Mesir HaTabas or before the, the, the marriage is finalized, Yaakov is going to say, wait a minute, one second, I just have to ask my Kala one question. And he's going to wait for the for the simonim, for that password, and then he's going to give the ring. And then he's going to be Makadishar. And can you imagine if he asks Leah for the password and she doesn't know it? And then there's going to be a big rash. There's going to be a big tumult in the hall. This isn't who I wanted to marry, Yaakov is going to say. This isn't the right kala. And everybody's going to go... <gasps> And they're going to, all of a sudden, the band is going to get worried, and all the people are going to start, like, you know, schmoozing even louder than they normally do by a chuppah. It's going to be geferach busha for my sister. So Rachel basically said, even though, and think about this a little clearly, even though I won't be able to get married to Yaakov, maybe ever, even though that that might involve me now being the one that is going to have to marry Esav HaRasha, even though my sister is going to be Bainab, Beis Yisrael, perhaps single-handedly, and not me, and my destiny will be lost for all time, but because I am chayshish for the Bizyanis, for the Busha of my sister Leah, I am going to give her the Simonim, the secret password to my destiny, <coughs> rather than having her suffer the terrible bizyanis and the terrible busha that would occur would I not give her those simanim. So she did a maisa that perhaps in the entire human history never was there such a maisa, never was there such a mysterious nefesh, an ava of a woman to her sister. And she gives her the simanim and they end up getting married, Yaakov ends up marrying Leah and Luckily, Yaakov insists on to love him that he also wants to marry Rachel, and reluctantly, perhaps, Lavan permits it, and he has to work for many more additional years for marrying, for this chus of marrying Rachel. And now, fast forward to the psukim that we started with today. Leah, the sister who is not supposed to be married to Yaakov, she was the accidental kawa. And she has one child after another, Gibayrim, beautiful, handsome men. As the Psukim later will describe the Shifte Ka, Ruven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Gibayrim, Chayel, Leah, Nebuch, Rachel, Nebuch is sitting, Akara. She doesn't have any children. She has no children. She's dying to have a child with Yaakovino and she can't. And she goes to Yaakov and begs him, please, allow me to have a child. Help me have a child. And Yaakov responds, Hasacha asalikim anoichi. Am I in place of the Rabbani Shalom that I held you back from having children? <coughs> Rashi says on this word, Hasachas, says three words. Hasachas v'chi b'mekai mayani Yaakov doesn't say ha'im alikim ani am I God? He uses a lotion hasachas alikim anaychi am I b'mekai Hashem? am I in place of Hashem? Am I a tmura for Hashem? Am I being switched with Hashem? That was the wrong word to use. Because when you're talking to somebody, 
who suffered indignation because of a Maisa Mitzirah's Nefesh, that she allowed her sister to be Tachas her. The entire Maisa took place only because of the fact that she allowed her sister to go in place of her Bimkaimah. Had she not done that, she would not be in this place. Then Yaakov would have Taka been, been misfollowed for her, just like her, his father was misfollowed, that he should have a child when they didn't have children. If Rachel would have been the only one to be married to Leah, then Yaakov would have died, even though she was an Akara, just like Yitzchak was successful, Yaakov would have been successful. It was just because of the fact that she was at Sadeke Eskimura, and she allowed Leah to go Bim Kaima under the Chuppah. And had children because of that Mesiris Nefesh. To the degree that she was not able to, and that sort of the gates, the doors for Shemayim seemed to be locked for her because of the fact that Yaakov has children with Leah. For Yaakov Avinu to say that one word of Asachas, I am not in lieu of Hashem. I am not in the place of Hashem. That was something that was a stab in the heart for Rachel. Because that is exactly what she was living with. The pain of Asachas. The pain of the fact that she did this, this unbelievable Misa. That she allowed her sister to be them came off. To use that word, that was a word that perhaps for you and I, we wouldn't have even sensed it. Because it's just another word. But for Rachel, her whole life was the aftershock of the Hatachas. The aftershock of the fact that she was allowing her sister to go Bim Kaimah. And now Yaakov says, Am I Bimakim Hashem? That was something that was very close to Rachel's heart. Because Rachel lived with a pain as a result of her action. Not that she had Charata Chalilo, but this is something that was so, was so close to her heart. If she hadn't done it, then things would have been different. When you speak to an Akara, you don't say the word Hasachas, when the whole reason why she's in the predicament that she is is because of Hasachas. Only because she allowed Leah to be Bimkaimah. That's why she's here in the first place. You have to be very careful in every single word that you use. And because of that, Rachel Imeno, the Rabbani Shalom, gave her Yosef HaTzadik, who was the most sensitive soul, and he says to them, in a positive way, that don't worry about it, you don't have anything to be worried about. I know that you're nervous that I might retaliate for all that you've done for me, against me. But don't worry, I'm not in the place of Hashem, you're fine, you should be relaxed, you shouldn't worry. I am not God. He reversed the damage of his father to his mother. By saying that word, Asachas, the soothing Asachas, as opposed to this Asachas, which was a very, very hurtful Asachas. Because it was the Asachas, which was exactly what Rachel Imenu was living with. We have to learn from this Chazal the importance of being a sensitive person. Again, Yaakov Avinu was a super sensitive person. This was on on our on a level that we can't understand. There was a kaina against Yaakov. Yaakov was unbelievable. He was perfect. But Chazal find that some mashu of a mashu of a chisarim. But we in our lives we have much bigger insensitivities to others. And this is something we have to really, really be very, very careful about. This isn't just musr. These are halachas in Shulchan Aruch. If you want to look it up, it's in Cheshen Mishpat. It's in Simon Reish Chav Ches. And there it goes through about the union of Ainas Tavarim, about saying things wrong to people, cheating people in business, or saying things that are insensitive and hurtful to people in general. And the Mechaber says you have to be very careful when you're talking to a Ger. When you're talking to Gerim, you have to be careful because they are sensitive souls. They understand that they weren't brought up Jewish, and they're always very cognizant of that. And so that is their Achilles heel. Don't touch that button. Don't push those buttons that are going to hurt a gear. 
the Mechaber says when it comes to talking to a woman, be very careful about the way you speak to your wife, the way you speak to your mother, the way you speak to your sister. The Mechaber says that women are very sensitive, their tears are, are very, very close. A man maybe has to be really, really hurt to cry. A woman, if you look at them the wrong way sometimes, you say slightly the wrong the wrong Russian, immediately they begin to cry. And we're responsible for that. If we cause people undue tsar, that's our fault. And we're going to have to give a din mecheshman for that. There's a great maisa. They say it over B'Shem Rabbi Salanter. Rabbi Salanter was once invited to somebody's house for Shabbos. And there was a beautiful table set, which was right for when you have a, a guest of the stature of Rabbi Salanter. And there were other people as well invited. And Mishpacha, a beautiful Shabbos table was set with the beautiful settings and the cutlery and the silverware and the and all of the beautiful the ornaments for the table everything the wife worked very hard the whole day and the silver was gleaming the becher beautiful there was one thing that she forgot out of all the thousand things that a woman has to do Arab Shabbos to get ready for for Shabbos she forgot to put the challah cover on top of the chalas and the husband came in, he was singing Shalom Aleichem, all of a sudden in the middle of Shalom Aleichem, he notices that out of the whole setting, there was a challah cover missing. So if he would have been a man, she would have gone into the kitchen, you know, very gingerly, and said, honey, uh, you know, do, do you know where the challah cover is, and put it on himself. But he wasn't such a, a sweet guy, and he says, he stopped Shalom Aleichem, in the middle of Shalom Aleichem, and he says, whoa, uh, excuse me, uh, you in the kitchen, come out here. She says, yeah. She says, you forgot to put the challah cover on. Look, there's no challah cover. And Rabbi Sal Salanter was mortified. Rabbi Sal Salanter was perhaps the, the biggest heart in human history. And Nebuchadnezzar to see this woman being Ma'una. So Rabbi Salanter didn't stomp storm out of the room and he didn't tell him off. He was clever. So he says to this man, says, do me a taiva, tell me the reason, remind me why we put a challah cover on in the first place. A challah cover. We put a challah cover, everybody knows, we put a challah cover on because because you really can make kiddush on pas just like you can make kiddush on wine. We make Kiddush on wine. So you cover the pass so that the pass doesn't see the busha that you're making the Kiddush on the wine instead of on it. So you want to cover it up so it doesn't have to have any bizyanus. And Rabbi Saul Santa was looking at the guy. He's all of a sudden he chaps that he had more rachmanus on a chawa, which is an inanimate object. An object that if you stab it, and you cut it and you slice it, it has no feelings. But a woman, if you speak to her in a, in a way that's inappropriate, even in the slightest way, in the way he did, how that cuts right through her heart, and he realized on his own that he had made a terrible mistake, and he asked her mechila. There's a maisa with Rebarach Ber, Rebarach Ber came to America, I believe it was 1929, if I'm not mistaken, before the war. It's an amazing thing if you stop and think about the fact that Rebarach Bar was on, on these shores. So it's, it's a, you know, you think of Rebarach Bar as in Europe, Alatera, Alabaida, and America is like, you know, we're the new country, we're in the new world that, you know, we don't, we weren't exposed to, to people of that magnitude. Rebarach Bar actually treaded on United States soil. Rebbe Khanan also, it's amazing. But Rebbe Ber was here for fundraising, and he was in, one of the stops that he made was in Baltimore. And in Baltimore he had an old Talmud who had come to America in the early 1900s, and his name was Kapil Wolpert. It's a balabas, and 
Um, he was a Tamar Bach Bar. He moved here and he became a very successful businessman. And Rebarch Bar, together with his son, Rebruven Grzovsky, stayed together with, um, together with, um, together with him. Rebruven Grzovsky, I'm sorry. And the, uh, they, they were planning on staying with him. Now they, this couple, Walper, picks them up from the train station, comes, brings them to his home, and he comes into the home with these two great Rosh Hashiva, and the, his wife was listening to the radio. I don't think his wife was in the room at the time. Maybe she was. But she had the radio turned on, whatever she was listening to, the news or music, whatever it was. And her couple was like a little embarrassed that, you know, the radio should be on when the Rosh Hashivas come in. So he goes and he shuts the radio. He didn't scream at his way. He just went and he, he closed the radio. So Rebach Bear noticed this. And his face starts turning colors. And he doesn't know what to do with himself. And he calls over Rebruvain, his son-in-law, and they huddle together. And then they say to a couple, they say, we thank you very much for the invitation. We're going to go. We're going to find another place to sleep. The couple said, well, what's wrong? What did I do? What did I do that was so terrible? Why, why can't you say that you, you don't trust the cashers? You don't trust, what's, what's, what's the problem? He said, don't you know what you just did? says, your wife was listening to the radio. And you come in and you shut the radio. She's going to be tremendously mavoyish. That you had to do something to undo what she did. And she is going to now be embarrassed that she turned on the radio. And that you felt that that was wrong. That we should know that she did that. And now you have to turn it off. And she's going to feel terrible. She's going to feel like she did something inappropriate in front of us in our eyes. And she didn't. But you are being mevayesher by doing that. And we can't stay in such a home. We are not going to subject her to being embarrassed every time we walk into the room, knowing that we, in her mind, she thinks that we are, that we are looking down on her because she was doing something that isn't inappropriate, but that you made it, you made her seem was. And so we can't stay here. And a couple said, please, you have to stay here. You can't leave. I was been waiting for you to come for so long. I want Rashiva to stay. He says, "Didn't you? Did you remember anything that we taught you in yeshiva? How could you be so insensitive?" And finally, again, he asked his wife for mechila, and they agreed to stay. By the way, this couple Walpert became he was the president of Nei Yisrael. He was uh, the president or the chairman of the board. He was a very big macher in Nei Yisrael for fifty years. He was a very, very well-established Balabayas in Baltimore long after her Baruch Bear's visit. But this is what the sensitivity of G'dayim are, that when you see something, you have to be, you have to have like a meter in your mind that's ex- extremely fragile, extremely sensitive to any, any minor ups and downs, anything that could cause somebody a little bit of hurt, you have to be very, very sensitive to. Even if you yourself, by the way, sometimes the person themselves are less sensitive. Certain times people are very strong, they're bulldozers, and they don't care. Everything bounces right off of them. You could shtach them, and you can, you could say whatever you want. I don't care. It's fine. It's just, I'm Teflon. I, I, everything, you know, wipes right off of me. I don't care. So those types of people think that because they're that way, they have the right to speak to other people in an insensitive manner because you could speak to me like that. I don't care. I'm bulletproof. So I think everybody else is. And that's not true. Most people in the world, 99.99% of people in the world are very, very sensitive. Even sometimes when they act insensitive or you feel that they're tough-skinned and thick-skinned and they don't have all of these hang-ups like we think they do, they do. Nobody likes to be stuffed. Nobody likes to be, to be told something that is not nice to them. Everybody likes to be said, to be told how great they are, how nice they're learning, how great they're davening, what a great friend they are, what a great father, what a great husband, what a great chabrusa. Nobody likes to say, you know what, I don't like this about you, you know, this bothers me. If it's together, teichacha also requires a lot of sensitivity. But stam, talking and joking and shtoching is a very, very big avero. It's a very, very big problem that we have that we're not sensitive enough. And when we're not sensitive as Bachrim, 
many times, if not all the time, it carries over into our married life, and we're not sensitive to our wives, and we're not sensitive to our children, and we're not sensitive to our friends. And so this is something that's very, very major, that you have to make sure, the same way that we filter our water, and the same way that we filter our internet, we also have to filter our mouths, and make sure that besides for all the other things that shouldn't come out, for Ashen Hara, and the Shkarim, and the Nibel Peh, and the Rechilos, and the Maitzi Shemra, and all of the Sichas and all the terrible things that we do with our mouth. But also, and especially so, that even when we're talking normally, we have to make sure to filter what we say, and make sure that it's not, that the person that we're talking to is not going to be hurt by a comment that we make. Rav Hutner once said that he was once talking to the Mashkiach in Sabatka. The last Mashkiach of Sabatka was Rav Avram Grzensky. See, all these names are very confusing. That's why sometimes I, you know, there's a Shmuel Grzovsky, and there's a Ruben Grzovsky, and then there's, then there is, um, then there's Rav Avram Grzensky, all very similar uh, Lithuanian names, Polish names. And so it's, uh, it's a little confusing. But the Mashkiach of Sabatko was of Avram Kudzensky. He happened to have been a brother-in-law of Yaakov Kamenetsky. They married sisters. And the story with him is, he had a, he was a tremendous Adam God, he was a tremendous force in the Musser movement. And he was ultimately killed by the Nazis, Hashem Yinkam Domov. In fact, when he, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky was once asked to put a Shtikol in a Musser journal that somebody was publishing. And he says, I can't says, from the time that the Nazis put a bullet into my brother-in-law, the Muslim movement is dead. He felt that Rav Ram Gudzinski was Mamish, the last Muslimnik in the world. Rav Ram Gudzinski was a tremendous Hadras Panam. If you see pictures of him, great Jewish letters, um, you will see that there is a, uh, he is a tremendous Hadras Panam. There was one thing about him, he had a very pronounced limp. He limped terribly. And the story goes, in fact, that when he was read a shidduch, when he was supposed to go out with a certain girl, the girl didn't want to go out with him because of this limb. Everything was great except his musr was great and his, his hadras panim was great and his, his ashkafos were very good. But his limp was something that bothered her and she felt she, she didn't want to go out with him. That very day, as she was walking down the steps to the basement in, the, in her house, she tripped on the first step and she rolled down all the stairs and she broke her leg. And she was in a full leg cast for many, many weeks. And she understood, it didn't take rocket science to know that it was probably Mida Kineged Mida for turning down Rabbi Abram Grzynski as a shidduch. And so after the cast came off, she agreed to go out with him and they got married and that was Rabbi Yaakov Kamnetsky's wife's sister who married Rabbi Abram Grzynski and, and the rest is history. Rav Hutner was talking in Sabalka to Rav Gudzinski, and he was telling over Shtikol Taira, and he was, he was saying a mushal to Rav Ram, and the mushal contained a chiger. He was using as his mushal somebody that was a cripple when he was talking to Rav Ram Gudzinski. And Rav Ram, who had a pronounced limp, started giving Rav Hutner tremendous muster. He says, you have to know says, when you're talking to somebody that has a limp, you don't speak like this. You don't tell somebody that has a limp, a mushal with somebody that's a chigar. It's insensitive. Don't you understand that if you'd say that mushal, it might be brilliant if you tell it to somebody else. But look who you're talking to. And when you're talking to somebody that has a limp, they're very, very sensitive to that. And you have to make sure to screen and to filter out all of those things from your mouth before you speak to somebody. When you speak to somebody that's Leoleno blind, you have to make sure you don't say, you know, people are so blind. You don't use that metaphor. You don't use that as a muscle because look who you're talking to. There are so many stories, there are so many things of Gedalion that we see one after another, but you have to be sensitive. You have to just use your head. It's not a matter, you don't have to be a God of Israel to do this. It's just a matter of thinking a little bit before we speak. If you're speaking to somebody that has any infirmity, 
or any somebody that's a little bit has something that's uh, that could, that they are probably a little bit sensitive about, whatever it may be. You have to make sure not to at all get anywhere near touching that third rail. You don't go anywhere near discussing something, alluding to something, broaching something, because it's going to puncture that person's ego. It's going to destroy that person, whether or not the person will be as honest as the Rebbe Abraham Grzynski and say, you know, you really hurt me by saying that. Or whether it's a person that might not, you'll never even know. And you'll think, oh, it didn't bother him. Trust me, it bothered him. And you have to make sure not to hurt anybody. You have to make sure even not to use a word of asachas. A word. It's just a word. But that word might have been the word that completely broke Rachel Imenu's heart. An amazing Misa. The Kleisenberger Rebbe, also one of the great heroes of the, of the Holocaust. The Kleisenberger Rebbe was, it's Kedai to read anything that you can about the Kleisenberger Rebbe. He is mamish, uh, unbelievable. He had 11 children before the war, and a Rebetzin, and a Chasidos, and they were all killed out during the Holocaust by the Nazis in Shimon. And after the war, he normally people would just basically, you know, just say, woe was me, I lost my entire family, I tried hard, and now, whatever, I'll, I'll just retire and just hide in a corner somewhere. The Kleisenberger ever remarried, he had children, he rebuilt his chasidus in America, and Eretz Yisrael, and in Europe. The Kleisenberger Rebbe was the founder of Mithal Hashas, testing B'nai Torah all across the world in Shas. He founded hospitals in Eretz Yisrael. He was an unbelievable person. And when he was in Eretz Yisrael once, he went to be mispalal in the city of Tzfas by the cover of Rabbi Huda Bar And he came there around Shkia time and him and his Hasidim Davin Mincha there for a very, very long time. And they were davening and davening and davening and then they went home. And the next day, the Kleisberger Rebbe, who did not live in Tzfas, he told those Hasidim, come, we have to go back to Tzfas. Why, we were just there yesterday. We have to go back to Tzfas, let's go. And they went back to Tzfas, and they went back to the kever of Rabbi Hudabar Eloi. And the Kleisberger Rebbe was davening and crying, and bitter tears were coming out of his eyes. And he couldn't stop crying, crying, crying until finally it was finished and they went back on the, on the bus and they went home. And the Hasidim asked the Rebbe, why did we come back here? We were just here yesterday. And we cried yesterday. And today the Rebbe cried much more than yesterday. At the same kever. Why? So listen to what the Kleisberg Rebbe said. He says, we davened by the kever of Rabbi and it hit me on the way back that the Shita in Mesechus Brachis of Rabbi is that you can only daven Mincha up until Plaga Mincha. You don't daven past Plaga Mincha Mincha. Now, we don't pass him like that. We pass him that you can daven Mincha until Shkia. But we went and we daven Mincha by the kever of Rabbi by Shkia time, after the plague. Don't you think that that was hurtful to Rabbi That we went, Mamish, we came, we're Mamish by the kever of Rabbi we have the chutzpah to go and daven mincha after plague. How could we be so insensitive? Yes, the is that you're allowed to, and that we should. But you could do that by the Arizal's kever, you could do that by the Ramam's kever, but to go to Rabbi Yudabar Eloi, his kever, and not be sensitive to his shita, and daven mincha after plag, is that a chutzpah? And so we came back today, and I daven today, and I asked Rabbi Yudabar Eloi, mechila, for not being sensitive to his shita. And it was Davka 
because of the sensitivity of Rachel Imenu, that she allowed for her sister to marry Yaakov. And she allowed for the shift they called to develop and fall. The mita of Klayasal, the mita of Yaakovina was complete. The shift they called. All Yudbe Shvatim that came from Yaakovino creating the perfect semblance, the perfect surah of Kla Yisrael all came about Dafka because of the sensitivity of Rachel Imenu. Because she was so sensitive to her sister's busha. Because she was so sensitive to her sister's covet. And so she is Mamish, the symbol of what we should follow. And indeed, if we follow this, if we follow her lead, we will be zeichet to the geula. There's a mayur de chazal. The chazal says by the psukim that we we know so well. Pasuk in Yirmiya, Kal berama nishma nihi bechi samurim. There's a bitter wailing that's going out on high berama. Rachel Mavakal Bonel. It's the sound of Rachel who is weeping over her children. And she refuses to stop crying over her children because they're no longer in Eretz Yisrael. And Akrishpahu says, Kayama Hashem, Min'i Hold back, Rachel, stop crying. Hold back your tears. From your eyes. Because there is going to be a schar. There is a tremendous reward for all of your, for all of your cryings, for all of your pleadings, for all of your actions. And Klai Yisrael will eventually come home. And Rashi brings over there Medrash Agado. When the obvious Nehemiah went to be Mephais the Rabbinah Shalom, because Menashe, Melech Yisrael, was Maimid at Selem Behechal, he put up at Selem, Rachman al at Selem and Abay Dezara in the Hechal Hashem. The obvious Nehemiah did not have the ability to soothe the Rabbinah Shalom Kavayachal from the anger that he had over this Maisel. Nichnesa Rachel, Rachel comes before the Rabbeinu Shalom, Amra Lefana Rabbeinu Shalom. She says like this, Rabbeinu Shalom, Rachamim, Mimarutim Rachamecha Irachame, Rachamecha Irachame. Whose Rachmanus is greater? Is my Rachmanus greater or is your Rachmanus greater? is a greater than Rachel. I says Rachel. I took it Sarah. I took my sister. A sister is called it Sarah. If another another like by by Yibum, or or a, a somebody not know a sister or somebody another wife. A second wife is called a tsara, like in, 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 by the parasha of Yibam, you have the parasha of tsara, that if you take a man takes two wives, so those are tsara zula zoo. both wives are considered tsaras. I took a tsara into my own house. Shekala Aveda, Shavad Yaakov Avi, all of those years that Yaakov worked for my father, Loyavad El Abishvili, those Work those seven years of bitter hard labor that he did was all for me, so they should marry me. And Kishabasi Likanes Lachopa, and when it was finally my turn to go underneath my chopa, Hechniso Esachaisai, they were my, he was, they, she, he ended up, my father put my sister instead of me. Veloy Daisha Shasaki, not only was I quiet, I didn't say a word. I gave her over my simonim. So you too, Hashem. If your children were machnes at Sarah, another, a competitor into your bias, 
instead of you being in the Heichal, now they're putting a Tselem in the Heichal. Lahavdil. Shesaiklaem. Be quiet to them. Don't respond like I didn't respond. Amar la, the Rabbani Shalom says, Yafa lamadta sanigaria. You so beautifully defended your people. Yesacha lefulasech. There is a schar for this that you did. Uvekascha. And for your deveka shemasarta simanecha chaysach. Because you gave over the simonim to your sister, there is a tremendous chayr. V'shavu banim l'gvulach. Because of the fact that she was Meisr Nefesh for her sister. She was sensitive. Not only did she not spill the beans, she was shasak. But she also gave the simonim to her so that she should not be mavoyash. Because of that sensitivity, the Rabbi Nishlam says, you defended them well. They will return because of you. You don't have to cry anymore. It's done. They will come back to their gvul because of your sensitivity. And so if we want to really hasten the gaula like we claim we do, one of the best ways of doing that is by following this lead, the template of Rachel Imenu, the sensitivity the caring about somebody else's covet, and not always thinking about me. Why do we shtach other people? The reason why we shtach other people is very simple, either because we're not thinking, or because our covet is more important than somebody else's covet. The covet that I'll get, if we're sitting around in a bowl session in the dorm room, and I have a chance to shtach you, and I have a chance that everybody should say, ooh, you know, wow, he has a great, he's so sharp, that guy. He's unbelievable. He's got the best zingers. And my covet is so important to me that I want to do that, even though that I am going to, Mamela, be pushing somebody else down. My covet might be rising, my stock might be going up, but at the same time, I'm pushing him down. And he's going to cry. And he's going to feel terrible. And he's going to feel unpopular. And he's going to feel like he has no friends and nobody stood up for him. It's because we're thinking always about ourselves and our covet and our ego and not nearly enough about the other person's covet. If we want to be Rachel Imenu, if we want to have the Midas of Rachel Imenu, and we want to hasten the Gaula, we want to bring Mashiach based on this, the sensitivity the understanding that even though it might not be so good in the immediate for me, but I have to make sure that it's good for somebody else, that the other person's covet is intact, that the other person can still look in a mirror and feel good about themselves and not have busyness. If a person can do that, and it's not easy, but a person must and a person can if he tries, then this is something that would bring the gaula would follow the lead of Rachel Imenu, who's crying over her sons, and Dafka, those tears, those sensitivities, that caring, that heart that spans the universe of Rachel Imenu could be our heart. We have that same heart. She's our mama. And we have a Birusha from her if we try. We could be as sensitive as she, or close to that if we want. It's a matter of thinking before we speak. It's a matter of filtering what we're about to say based on the person that we're saying it to. It's a matter of understanding that our covet should take a backseat to Yenim's covet. And if we could do that, then Amit Hashem will be Zaycha to the Gula Shleim of Amir Amen Amen. Have a good chance.